Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. So let me ask you, when was the first time that you heard a Jewel song? I know for me, it was Who Will Save Your Soul. I was just knocked out by it. I remember thinking, wow, this is a really, really great singer, songwriter, and performer. And being a songwriter myself, I'm so excited to be sitting down today with Jewel. And we're going to find out about an organization that she's been involved with that's been helping kids with their physical, emotional, and mental health for over 21 years. And I know you're going to be inspired by this organization, but also fascinated by this amazing woman and performer. So lean in. I'm really glad you're here. Jewel, I'm so excited to have you on this podcast. So excited to see you. I feel like we've met before. I, I, I'm not quite sure where, but I can't imagine that our paths haven't crossed at some point. I was thinking the same thing. Somebody was like, have you met him before? I'm like, we have to have, but yeah. we're well, both apparently not making a ding in each other's memory. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's okay. That's okay. But I could tell you that we have this dumb you know, thing that we like to start the podcast off, which is this silly game, the six degrees of Kevin Bacon that, that, uh, so we do the research and figure out how, how we are connected in, um, in the entertainment universe. And, uh, I don't know if you're aware of this connection. It's not a very hard one, but I know you were in, uh, walk hard, the Dewey Cox story. Uh, and the fun connection is, is that Rance Howard, who was Ron's dad, Ron Howard's dad, was in that, and he was in Apollo 13, which I was in. So there's our there's our six degrees connection, as silly as that is. It's, it's profound. Where are you now? I live in uh, the Rockies in Colorado. Nice. Yeah, oh, I love it. Fantastic. How long have you lived there? Gosh, I've been here maybe 10 years. Uh-huh. Well, you know, I saw you on TV recently, and uh, I called up 
our people and said, this is the perfect person for this podcast because the idea with this thing is that, you know, you're a multi-platinum artist, you're huge star, celebrity, all these kinds of things. And then people find out that in this podcast that there are things that you are super, super passionate about that we're going to um, get to. And also uh, to introduce uh, somebody that you work with and that you and that uh, who is an unsung hero doing good work out there on the ground because I think a lot of times people you know you know they think that celebrities or rock stars or whatever are just kind of overpaid buffoons and don't really give a shit about you know anything that's going on in the world and so you are the opposite of that so that's why I think you're the perfect person to be talking about this um, if I can just uh, geek out a little you know, your your music is just so fantastic and I'm such a fan and I I I wonder if I'm sure you've asked been asked this a million times, but I'd love to, if you don't mind, talk just a little bit about the the songwriting. because um, it's just I, I'm I I fancy myself a songwriter and, and so I, I really am always interested to hear what somebody's process is around that. Yeah, I started writing as a way of moving toward. Um, my mom left when I was eight. My dad and I became a bar act, uh, a duet. So we did five-hour sets in bars in Alaska. And what kind of music was that? It was mostly covers, but my dad also was a songwriter, so he did originals as well. So it was a mixture. Uh, wow. I sang harmony mostly. Um, I'd been already on stage a lot. My mom and my dad uh, had shows for tourists. It was a dinner show. So like the the uh, cruise ship, you know, would come in in Anchorage, Alaska, and they would, this dinner show would happen. And that was my, my dad and my mom wow. and me, I would get up and yodel. Wow. So then wow. my mom left, my dad and I became a duet. And I was in a lot of pain, you know, divorce was hard. My mom leaving was hard. My dad started drinking. He began being abusive. So I was obviously in a lot of pain. And what I was realizing around me in these bars, the people were in a lot of pain. And I was had this front row seat to watching people handle pain. And there was drugs, there was PCP, there were biker gangs, there were, you know, drunken fights, there was rage, there was relationships that were volatile. And I saw all these ways over the series of many years. And I realized, you no, know, I called it, you can't outrun pain. I'm real visual, so I remember it was like there was this original, you know, bit of pain, but instead of making pearls, everybody around me was just trying to cover it in more and more layers of more and more, I guess now what you would call coping mechanisms. I just saw yeah. like archaeological. And so I realized like I have to deal with my pain as it comes. And then I learned that the buffalo was the only animal that would move directly into the heart of the storm because the quickest way was through. And I just loved hmm. that. And I remember writing wow. that down, the quickest way is through. And so to move toward my pain instead of trying to avoid it became a, like a life strategy for me, probably when I was 10. And writing, I had noticed, I always had written poems since I was little. And I always felt a little bit better, even though I was dealing with a lot of pain and, and uh, uncertainty. Writing always made me feel better. And it so brought it me toward the pain. It's very it therapeutic. Was, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that is... I can certainly relate to that. I mean, I, I, well, my brother-in-law like to say something goes wrong, write a song. 
and that is that is a really I'm I'm fascinated. I did not know that about uh, about you. And and so, is it? Are you able to make the connection between the specific uh, moment or feeling that you're having, whether it be a specific I don't know heartbreak or your dog dies or whatever it is, and the, and the song that comes out, or is it more a way of just feeling all these overwhelming things and then kind of channeling them through somebody else's story or or uh, or, a, or a piece of poetry. It had always been poetry, um, and it was usually pretty direct. The fascinating thing to me that was very comforting when I was young was that when I wrote, there were patterns I hadn't noticed I had noticed. I suddenly started seeing reasons or... Yeah. Or, yeah, just patterns that I, I hadn't noticed when I was embroiled in living it. It wasn't until I wrote about it later that I noticed them. And that was very comforting. And it made me really, again, want to rely on writing sort of as a tool of getting out. Um, I didn't write songs till much later. I moved out at 15, which I knew was a very risky thing to do. Were you, play- you were playing that- then, though? You were, you were playing with your dad? Or no, you were playing. I mean, I didn't play guitar. I didn't you write didn't songs. Guitar, I only sang lead on one or two songs in the five-hour set. I was just singing harmony, honestly, five for my hour dad. Set. By the way, a five-hour set of covers. Oh my gosh! <laughs> it's gnarly. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot to hold on to. That's like that's like a Bruce Springsteen that show plus two hours. Wow. Yeah, that's just how I was raised. You would. That's what you were paid for with these five-hour sets. Oh my god. Um, and so when I moved out, it meant also like my dad and I weren't going to be doing gigs together. I now had to support myself on my own without singing with my dad and I knew statistically kids like me end up repeating the cycle and I didn't want to be a statistic and so again I went back to writing and reading sort of as this ladder hopefully out um, looking at the idea of nature versus nurture and what if my nurture was so bad I would never get to know my nature we had a rabbit that thought it was a chicken Uh and so it would like peck at the food and it would waddle it didn't quite hop normal and it would lay Uh on the nests and hatch eggs for the hens and it really scared me when i moved out of 15 because i was like what if that's me what if i'm a bunny raised by chickens and i'll never know i'm a bunny how do you know Uh your nature when your nurture is so bad and so i looked at this idea of having an emotional inheritance just like a genetic one you know a genetic inheritance that might predispose me to diabetes I had this em- emotional inheritance that would just predispose me to like a- abuse or addiction. Yeah. And could I learn a new emotional language? And so I just doubled down on writing, curiosity, observation as instead of climbing up and out, I wanted to go down and in. Um, now, were your poems, uh, were, did they feel like songs? Were you hearing melodies in your head? Or did you did you pick up the guitar as a way to put the melody to, behind the words? No, writing poems just felt like medicine, trying to soothe myself. Mm -hmm. Um, It wasn't until I went away to school, I got a scholarship to go to a private school in Michigan called Interlochen. Mm -hmm. You weren't allowed to stay on campus for the breaks, and I didn't have money to go home. And so I decided that I would hitchhike across the country and that I would make money by street singing. So I got a cheap guitar and... I learned A minor, C, G, and D in that order. I couldn't go out of order because I didn't know how. That was a good course. And then I grew up um, improvising. My dad taught me to improvise in bars. Like one of the best ways to have drunks listen was to start singing about the drunks not listening. 
And so my huge plan was to street sing and just make up lyrics about people as they walked by because I didn't know how to learn other people's songs or learn covers. And it was just Uh a lot easier to make stuff up. And um, on that first two-week trip, I think I was 16. That's when I wrote Who'll Save Your Soul. That was my very first song. And I just was addicted. That was your first (laughs) song? Hang on. You're kidding me. That was it. Wow. But how does that... I mean, and that's not a... That's not a super... That's a pretty sophisticated melody. That's not like Mary Had a Little Lamb. Did you have the guitar when you wrote that song? I mean, were you playing those changes that you knew and just around those changes, the, that melody came to you? I'm, I'm, that really blows my mind. It was very beatnik, right? Because I came from such a poetic background. It was very uh, wordy. Like people living their lives for you on TV. They say they're better than you and you agree. It was very like, kind of like written, spoken word. Hmm. Not too much of a melody, like people living their lives for you on TV. It's pretty monotonous. And then I couldn't change the chords for a chorus because I didn't know how to yet. And so that's where I just changed the melody to create the chorus. But it wasn't off of a chord change. It was just off of trying to create a different sound melodically to make it sound like a chorus. Well, maybe the chorus is so, um, it, it's, I mean, it is a, like I said, that the the chorus is is definitely is a very strong hook a very strong melody i mean it's just i don't know that's really that's uh that is astounding to me um so you were probably then you were what 16 or 17 when you wrote that song yeah 16 wow trinity school of natural health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Now, do you, do you still write on the guitar? Do you write on the on the piano? Or, or what's, what's the... Do you, do you, do you, are you one of those people that takes an hour every day and sits there and, and, you know, comes up with hooks and, and, or how do you do it? Um, songwriting now is really different for me. When I was young, it was just oozing out of every pore. Hmm. When I became a mom, it's very different. I'm a single mom, you know, so now you're with your baby, you're up at all hours of the night, trying to go to bed. 
So that free time, that random free time where you might just catch an idea and stay up till 3 a.m. doesn't really happen. And so I had to become more craftsmanlike about it, plan time to sit and write, which I didn't mind. Um, I feel you like write with other people. Yeah, I'll also write with other people, which is kind of nice. It's like having a workout partner. Uh, Let me ask you about that though, because I have just I always looked at writing as something that I would do alone, or I would maybe do with my brother, but that was that was part of the sort of thing about it to me was that it was personal alone and, and just in the last like I was probably I don't know five or six years uh, we started to have writing sessions we, we were so honored and had so much fun and went and wrote with Desmond Child for instance and you know wrote a cool song and and it's if you're not used to that I don't know about you but I found that I, I it can be very like socially sort of frightening and, 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 you know, kind of awkward. And, you know, you kind of sit down there and you go, okay, well, you know, here we are and we're going to be sharing something because I find it, I find it so personal, you know, and then to, to it's, uh, as you said, you know, it, there's something therapeutic about it. To me, it's like going into like couples therapy, but you never met the couple before, you know? I call it sober sex with a stranger. It's just very <laughs> awkward. You're like, okay, let's get naked. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's super awkward. Um, and you definitely just have to go in and suspend judgment of yourself. You just have exactly. to throw ideas out. And the quicker you can kind of just get to embracing the awkward, the better it is. <laughs> judgment of yourself and also judgment of each other, too. Yeah, because um, it's vulnerable. That, You're going to throw out is. bad ideas. I mean, You're that's part of the You're going to throw out bad ideas. Exactly. And, 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 I I have found, I want to do more of it, but I've found that piece of it to be um, like challenging, but in a good way, because I'm not really used to, like when I'm acting, uh, there is an element where you, you know, you have to have the courage to try try stuff and, and fail. But I also feel that I've spent a lot of time thinking about what the performance is going to be, what the character is going to be. So if it's, if right off the bat somebody doesn't like it, that's pretty vulnerable. But in the writing thing, you're just, it, you're, it's so immediate in the way that you're throwing things out. I've, 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 I've found it to be a great hurdle to kind of get over in a way. Yeah, I find co-writing to be very different. When I'm alone, I won't start with an idea. I'll just catch a feeling. You know, mm-hmm. you start playing guitar and you catch a right. vibe and that evolves and you don't know where it's going. And it's this just discovery process for co-writing. You know, typically you'll come in with an idea or have an idea or the co-writer will have an idea or a hook or a sentence or a riff. I don't find that when I co-write, I get as interesting of stuff. It's usually more commercial. Mm-hmm. And that's a fine line because just because it's more commercial doesn't actually make it very listenable either. So it's it's a... It's a lot to balance, you know, when you're in your own singer-songwriter. The thing I love is I always learn something. They'll put chords together. I'm like, I wouldn't have thought of that. It's such a cool sound. Or just seeing how somebody else's brain works, it always makes you better. Foolish Games to me is such a sad song. Like, I just find that to be, I don't know. It just, it, it's, it's one of those songs that just makes me sad when I, when I, it's a great song. But when I hear it, what, what do you have a song like that? <laughs> it's like you're kind of go-to sad song 
It was Leonard Cohen's The Famous Blue Raincoat for me. Oh, I yeah. I had heard it when I was in eighth grade. and Well, pretty just... much anything Leonard Cohen, right? Yeah. <laughs> but, but that's but that one is, uh, yeah, yeah, I it get, so I get that. It was so just tragic and, but nostalgic, and you can tell she loved him, and it, it uh, it's why I wrote uh, Foolish Games. I, I was trying to rip off the famous blue raincoat. Like I wanted to write really? something that gave you just like this intense, like visceral, emotional, but very visual kind of cinematic quality. So that's interesting. So you do think sometimes in terms of visuals and, and as you said, something cinematic, taking people to a world, taking them to a place, um, having them kind of disappear in the same way that we do when we're trying to create movies. Yeah, I think writing is the lens. It's what you're going to show out of an entire immense world. It's like that narrow little scope you're going to show somebody of just this thing. It could be a huge busy room, but then you narrow the camera in on one woman just sitting alone there with a fake huh. smile nodding. Huh. And that's the story. But nobody might have wow. noticed that story if you didn't just tilt the camera and zoom into her face. And so wow. to me, when I'm writing, whether it's poetries or, or fiction or anything, it's, yeah, I'm going to help push the camera in. And how quickly is it like, bam, and it hits you in the face or is it kind of this slow push in? And it gives you different, you know, like, it's funny just talking about it. will give my, like, hairs different reactions on my skin. But that's uh -huh. what you're trying to do. You're trying to elicit really intense personal stories, which is done through editing, limiting information, highlighting information to create, yeah, something intense. Wow. Wow. That is a really interesting way to look at it. Um, do, do you look at a lot of movies? Do you like movies? I mean, do you like... I mean, I know you got a, a, a child now, so it's, it's probably less and less time for that. But but when you when you talk about um, the, that, I mean, I think that a lot of people uh, films will wash over them, but they won't even necessarily be aware of that idea of pushing in on something in order to tell the story. And and you know that that's something that many people they know how they feel, but they don't know how we get there. But you, obviously, you have a, an eye for that. I always loved, I didn't grow up watching movies, you know, in Alaska, we didn't have electricity, we didn't even listen to much music, but I read a lot. Mm -hmm. And I read a lot of playwrights. And I think that's probably what gave me a real innate sense of, of story, like a lot of Chekhov, um, a lot <laughs> of Flannery O'Connor, a lot of Steinbeck. And I just think they were naturally very cinematic writers. And then poets like Pablo Neruda that were so visual, you could practically smell his poetry, the salt and the bread and the soil after the rain you know he wrote so viscerally that it it made your mouth water practically reading his stuff and i i loved that and so they really informed my writing style not to mention you know every writer i loved was glorifying very underserved communities you know mm. Chekhov to steinbeck were trying to shine a spotlight on you know tortilla flats or sure. migrant workers or you know the the mass population of the everyday man in russia uh and so I just, that that's why I write what I write. I think that's where folk music came from, was from those playwrights that chose to write that way. You heard it here first, folks. Jewel's a massive Anton Chekhov fan. <laughs> I mean, that that I think would be a, a I don't know why that would be surprising, but a, but it's 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 surprising to me. Um, it's, 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 it's actually surprising to me because I don't really think of... Um, anybody outside of people in the theater of actually reading plays you know what i mean it's like 
sometimes people get, you know, are forced to study Shakespeare in school or stuff like that, or, or, you know, whatever Steinbeck, Ibsen, or, you know, but, but to, to, but your lack of, um, media growing up where you grew up, you had to, that's so interesting. You had to actually read a play and, and in a way use the imagination to hear the voices of the, of the characters speaking, right? Yeah, and the study of psychology, I think especially in the Russian writers, but the psychology in playwrights I thought were so clever, right? They were really trying to tell you about the psychology of of a human and using these situations, putting these characters in situations to really highlight that psychology. Um, And to me, that's where like Tennessee Williams or the great playwrights, that's what they were doing. They were trying to figure out these squeezes where life would squeeze a character into these displays that were sometimes horrific, but so human that it allowed us to kind of explore these darker aspects. And I just, I loved that. Has having a child changed your perspective on uh, kind of the business side of things? I'm, I'm assuming that, uh, I mean, I don't know, are, are you touring uh, with, a, with, a, with a kid at home? You know, I always was funny about my career. I was discovered when I was homeless, but I almost didn't sign the record deal because I knew that somebody with my emotional baggage, God forbid someone like me get famous. It's, you know, what every TV movie or movie's ever been about any musician. Hmm. I didn't want to be a statistic. And so I had to have a plan in place that meant that I wouldn't become a statistic. And for me, that meant like what I call my North Star decisions. My number one goal was to learn how to be happy. Was it a learnable skill? Was it a teachable skill? And I'd have a plan around that. How did I know if it was working? And then my number two job was to learn how to be an artist. And then under that was my subcategory. I wanted to be an artist more than I wanted to be famous. And so every decision I made on my career was just very loyal to that. Um, That's why I took two years at the height of my career after hands. I quit. Like my label was like, you know, mental health breaks weren't a thing, but I knew I was going to have a breakdown if I didn't figure out how to comprehend what my life had turned. And the level of fame I got was that you know, you can't go to the bathroom without people following you. And it was awful. It felt like a prison. And so I had to give myself permission to be like, do I want to do something else? Would I rather be a photographer? And then for me realizing I didn't like fame that much. It, it, It didn't do it for me. I liked invention. I liked trying new things. And so just learning to build my career for solving for what actually made me happy and being willing to let go of the rest. And so it meant I always took big breaks. I switched genres you know, mm-hmm. always yeah. upsetting people, always starting over. <laughs> After my divorce, taking seven years, it's unheard of. And it's terrible things to do for like momentum. But the best thing for me as a human, I want my life to be my best work of art. I don't want my songs okay. to be my best work of art. And that means I have to approach mothering artfully. It means I have to approach, you know, hopefully all aspects as, as thoughtfully as I can. Um, and a big part of that has been, yeah, mothering and taking the time to mother. Wow. And you started this Inspiring Children Foundation, but that was 21 years ago. And and just tell me the genesis of that. I mean, th- th- like 21 years ago is is not. I don't I don't know how old you are, but I'm but I'm guessing that it's not the moment in most people's lives where they say, "Okay, I've become a incredibly successful at my chosen." career, although I I understand that you, you were having doubts about it, but now I want to just give back and do something that's outside of me. I mean, what was the inspiration for that? When I moved out at 15, you know, I just, it was very depressing to think that, what about kids like me? I don't have huh. access to therapy. 
I don't have a support system. Like, do kids like me get to learn how to be happy? And what an equal opportunist misery is. It doesn't care if you're black or white or rich or poor or famous or homeless. If you were raised in misery systems, it's perpetual. If you're going to learn how not to be miserable, if you're going to learn how to be happy, that means education, and education is money in our country. And so I started developing these skills that really worked for myself, um, looking at nature versus nurture and habit loops and dilation and contraction, all these skills that I just was thinking about and teaching myself how to practice yeah. things. And I wanted to see if they would work for other people like me, kids without other options. Um, and so we started inspiring children, and and it turns out it works really well. Um, we don't use psychotherapy. Not that I'm against it. I mean, if you, you got that and it works for you, I'm so for it. But what about the people that don't have access? There have to be sure. systems that we can offer that work, that make real differences in your choice making. And then your happiness, right, is a side effect of choices. You can't just be happy. You have to make different choices that lead to different outcomes. Um, and so it's a lot of fun. It's the most fun I've ever had is working with our kids. That is amazing. That is amazing. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. If you are inspired by today's episode, please join us in supporting 6degrees.org by texting the word BACON to 707070. Your gift empowers us to continue to produce programs that highlight the incredible work of everyday heroes, while also enabling us to provide essential resources to those that need it the most. Once again, text BACON to 707070 or visit 6 to learn more. I want to bring in Ryan Wolfington, who is the president of Inspiring Children. Hey, Ryan, welcome to the show, man. How you doing, Kevin? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. It's been really fun for me to uh, be chatting with Jewel, and, 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 you know, her story is obviously so inspirational, and, um, and the fact that she started this in a very, very specific and direct way 
Um, how did how did you two meet, and uh, how 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 long have you been with this organization? So my twin brother worked with Mark Burnett, and I guess Mark and Jewel they were at a dinner at his home, and my twin said, "Ryan, you really got to meet Jewel. She's your real twin." Because she still went to the emotional mental health stuff. And remember, this is years, you know, a long time ago when not a lot of people were talking about this. So he kept saying, you got to collaborate with her. She's really doing the same work. Really a lot of the same healing that I did in my own life. She had been doing her own life in parallel. And then um, when I met her the first time, she sat there and spoke to a young woman for like three hours. Um, A young girl tried to end her life twice. And when she was in the hospital, she was listening to Jewel's song "Hands" on on repeat to give her hope. And you know, we were at Richard Branson's island. And all these people running around. They want to meet Jewel, and it's a pretty good group of people. But Jewel said, "I want to sit here for three hours with this young girl and help her heal." And that's when I knew my twin brother really had had nailed it. That that's when she loves more than anything. Wow, wow. So, can you describe to me the mission? Well, I mean, Jewel's probably better at words than I am. Um, I'll let her take a crack at that. But I would just say, like, giving young people what I think we wish we had when we were little. Uh huh. And what's, like what whole, are what are the ages? Um, you want to get children as young as you can get them because mm-hmm. the the habits um, get formed early. Uh, but our really robust program is like twelve forever. It's like a forever program. It's not till they graduate high school. It's not till they graduate college. It's kind of forever. And um, we have children that are first generations, they're 35 years old now. And w- what about that, Jewel? I mean, uh, uh, how, how would you describe the mission? We wanted to create a, a holistic uh, healing environment um, that wasn't based on like one hour of psychotherapy, but an entire uh, three-dimensional model where they were getting educated, where they were getting exercise, and where they were getting equipped with tools. There's... Something I, I called as a kid um, philanthropic paradoxical reflux. It's this idea that, you know, like I was, I lived in the projects in Anchorage for a while and we'd be part of toy drives, right? People would come bring our neighborhood toys, which was so great and we were so appreciative. But I instantly felt, as soon as like the thrill of getting the present wore off, I instantly felt really crappy about myself. Hmm. And it was so intolerable that I resented the person who gave me the gift. It sounds so terrible, I know, but it's a very real thing because of just this kind of psychological reflex of you feel so bad about yourself and so you try to make yourself feel better by creating this otherness. Uh And so at the foundation, we really wanted to solve for that. So we don't actually give anything. We give skills, period. And kids earn their way up into kind of different programs within the foundation. Um, But basically building brick and mortar building yeah yeah we're based in las vegas why las vegas just out of curiosity ryan actually founded the foundation and he was in las vegas and the very first kid that he started mentoring just happened to be there and then it evolved from that and how do the kids find you or do their parents find you or or what where's the um how how do you build your uh the, the group well, it's overwhelming need, sadly. It's all been through word of mouth. Um, we, so we're a physical program. We focus on tennis, entrepreneurial skills, and then mental health skills. 
Um, we have three homes so that if there are kids who aren't safe with their family or just can't be with their family for some reason, they can live with us in a safe place. Um, otherwise, we work with kids, you know, that are living at home and we work with the whole family system. And the kids are there with us about six days a week. Uh, they do core curriculum maybe a couple days a week. And then all the rest is project-driven learning. So running the foundation, doing the video editing, the photography, uh, running events, running fundraisers. So they just end up becoming incredibly capable. And then when somebody trauma triggers or when something happens, we're able to deal with it right then and there in just a real group setting. Um, because it's life that triggers us. You know, it's not like Tuesday sure. at 2 o'clock. <laughs> yeah. It yeah. happens while you're with your therapist. And so we found that this model of where it's just a living lifestyle change, skill growth-based model to be incredibly effective. Ryan, let me ask you, have you, have you seen or felt that given things like starting with yeah, 9-11 and school shootings, climate change, global pandemic, there is a rising need for, for, for this kind of work? Well, I mean, 21 years ago when it first started, we might have had 10% of our children might suffer with suicide attempts or uh, maybe 30%, you know, depression, um, a lot more with more teenage addiction issues. Now, our last graduating class three years ago during COVID, half of them had either attempted to end their life or seriously harm themselves. And 100% of them had anxiety and a large portion of them had some form of depression and some issues with addiction. I think most children are being born into addiction through technology, uh, being exposed to stimulation and distraction much earlier than we were. Huh. And um, so we've watched it dramatically increase. It was a huge issue long before COVID. Um, I remember Jewel did press the first week of COVID and she said, the silent symptom of COVID is mental health. Like, right, she just said, no, we knew right away this is going to have a real serious impact. Huh. And what's interesting about, you know, you know, Jules' involvement is, you know, it's not like a typical celebrity that gets involved. I'm talking about 50 to 60% of her career is devoted to working and helping these children. Her time. Wow. From retreats at her house to, you know, in a few weeks, we'll be taking a bunch of children up to stay and spend the holidays with her over Christmas um, to even just work things. She's devoted her whole, her whole business side of her life to mental health. Uh, and the children sense that sense of sincerity. You know, mm -hmm. they can call her up and be like, I'm having an emotional conflict right now. I know you were homeless. I know you had trouble with your dad. You know, how did you deal with it? And the insight that she's able to give uh, is so unique because of the situation she's been through as a person. And children are no no BS. Like, they see through nonsense. They can tell if you're for real or not. Yeah, they do. Um, you know, something where I may not be able to get through, uh, she's able to do that. Wow, Jewel, that is, that is really kind of incredible i mean what is the thing that you're the most proud of around around this this organization and the work that you do just the kids you know our our numbers are incredible because of the gauntlet the kids choose to pick up every day you know when when i see a kid you know willing to stop being mad at their environment at their situation at their family and say all right but what am i willing to do about it you know, I'm, I'm responsible for my own happiness. What am I willing to do about my choices? They're unstoppable. Like once once a kid like hooks onto that concept and it's just fun. I mean, we became the number two tennis academy in the country. We didn't mean to be number wow. one and number three 
are just tennis academies. They're recruiting tennis players. We're we're just helping <laughs> kids. And we become the number two tennis academy. Um, all of our kids start their own businesses and they learn to put that hustle into a really great uh, life-affirming way into helping them make money. Um, and most importantly, learning these these skills. Our graduation rates are incredible, but it's all just byproducts of these kids choosing happiness. And as you know, healing's hard. It's very difficult. And so I just find it incredibly heroic that these kids just keep choosing it. And and how many kids have cycled through the program? I mean, I it's, was wondering that. Do you know from the beginning, Ryan? It's 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 thousands in person, but online. You know, Jewel helped bring a national platform, so it's millions online. But the leadership program, it's it's um, thousands in person. Um, you know, what's interesting is a lot of people. This summer, we we took a bunch of the children on her tour. And I'm like, I forgot you're like a freaking unbelievable rock star. You know what I mean? Because we get to see this other talent that she has uh, to heal a human being. And, you know, what's more worthy of celebrity? Somebody that can help a child go on to want to live again and then not only want to live again, but to just love life and become their best? Or the beautiful music. Now, luckily, we don't get to choose, but the hidden talent that I think a lot of people don't know about her is as a, as a clinician, as a somebody who can heal not only herself, but other people. And it's profound. That is really amazing. That is really amazing. Plus, she's also um, has one name, which makes her even cooler. You know, <laughs> people who have one name are, are very, very cool. I, I once had the the absolute joy of introducing ludicrous to sting it was it was a great moment in my life <laughs> um where how can people help out where, what's where's the website and uh social media handles I'm, i want to i want to make sure that um anybody listening to this can can uh can reach out and 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 support the good work that you guys are doing we're called inspiring children so it'd be inspiringchildren.org and we're inspiring children on instagram I also have a mental health platform of the exercises I've been talking about, uh, where we we put them on a free mental health website. They're just very practicable, simple skills to kind of, thanks to, you know, uh, just neural wiring, starving old neural patterns and building new ones through behavior. Um, and so people can find that at jewelneverbroken.com. And tell us about what the uh, Not Alone Challenge was. The Not Alone Challenge was an opportunity for us to bring together so many walks of life to talk about mental health. Um, so we had celebrities, we had CEOs, we had business people, we had athletes um, all coming together to talk about the fact that everybody has a brain. So at some point or another, people are going to have an issue with anxiety or whatever it is. And that, you know, it's a tragedy that 50% of the people that need mental health tools don't have access to them. I find that unacceptable. And so the Not Alone Challenge was about raising awareness and then raising funds to be able to scale proven tools digitally. And so one of the first things we've been doing with that is we've started been, you know, scaling up the tools that have been proven to work in our foundation mm -hmm. that are skill-based, um, as well as we founded a mental health uh, app in the metaverse. It's called Inner World, uh, where we take a lot of these skills and created the three-dimensional virtual reality for healing. I'll tell you that that in that inner world, um, we showed it to some of our children. 
because Jewel was putting this together for quite some time, but when she revealed it to them with the co-founder, with the founder of Dinnerworld, um, they started crying because they're like, geez, I can see exactly how that would have helped me when I was 13 or I was 14. And it's like almost like a virtual healing center that people can go into no matter where they are. And people have asked Jewel for many, many years, how do you scale this? How do you get this other places? And it was really cool for her to be able to team up with this gentleman from Vanderbilt to take the stuff that helped her and then put it on this metaverse where it feels so real. Speaking of which, have you have you all ever thought about expanding to different cities, start starting other centers in other in other places? Is that on the is that on the on the uh, in the future? There's organizations that are now scaling pieces in 22 cities, pieces of what we do, mm-hmm. and then right now the goal is Jules put this not alone challenge together to raise funds in order to curriculumize our our 21 years of expertise. And make it real simple for other organizations to plug and play. Yeah, cool. I think what makes us special is our curriculum and the skill-based tools. And we want to be able to start scaling that to other foundations that are doing the work. Or even other work. Like, let's say it's an LGBTQ plus community center and you mm-hmm. want to be able to have a mental health toolkit. Um, we want to be able to have that curricularized so anybody in any foundation can start to get, yeah, good results in mental health. Wealth. You know, I just want to say I think you should both be very, very proud of the work that you're doing. It's it's um it's a it's it's a beautiful thing. I love hearing all about it, and I'm so grateful that you were willing to come on and uh, talk about it today and take a big uh, chunk out of your day, Jewel. I know you got to go pick up your kid, um. So thank you, and thank you, Ryan, for being here. And uh, I've I've really really enjoyed this. Likewise, I've been such a fan of yours and I've been loved checking your music out and of course I've been a fan of your your acting so it's a treat to get to talk to you and thanks for taking the time. Hey guys, thanks for listening. Can you believe that Who Will Save Your Soul was the first song that Jewel ever wrote? I mean, that's crazy. I was so interested to hear that. So anyway, if you want to learn more about the Inspiring Children Foundation and all the work great work that they are up to, head to their website, inspiringchildren.org. You'll find the link in our show notes. You can find Six Degrees with Kevin Bacon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. See you next time. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited-time 2% cashback on purchases. And pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. 
Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.